0: Welcome to the Dead Lady Show podcast. I'm Susan Stone. The Dead Lady Show celebrates women who achieved impressive things against all odds while they were alive. The show is recorded in front of a delightful audience in Berlin and beyond. And here on the podcast, we bring you a special sampling from these events. Dead Lady Show co-founder Florian Dyersens is here with me today. Hey there.
1: Hi, Susan. So glad to be here.
0: Welcome to episode 25. What? We made it. We made it. Uh, and this is also kicking off our third season, three. is the magic number with this episode. And we have a story told by our dear co-founder, other co-founder, Katie Darbyshire.
1: Yes, and Katie, uh, as you might know, is a translator. As you might not know, she's a very avid and skilled blues dancer, and since very recently, last week I want to say, she's the publisher of a brand new imprint called V&Q Books, which publishes remarkable writing from Germany into English.
0: Now, that last fact is new and fantastic, but I want to uh, talk a little bit about the other part, about the blues dancing, Um, and the reason why is this talk is what i call a command performance because <laughs> it's uh, i commanded her to redo it <laughs> more or less um and because katie uh, told the story at our second ever live show back in 2015 what Whoa. a fabulous show it was
1: yeah i remember it's, it was like it was yesterday
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it was not um so long ago and it is about pioneering r&b singer laverne baker such a fabulous lady And this seemed like a perfect fit for Katie to retell Laverne's story to her blues dancing companions at a session in Berlin's Meatz. And now we're going to share it with you. Here's Katie.
2: Hello. Okay. There's a little interruption to the dancing, about 20 minutes, while I show you this thing. Pull up a chair. You can come closer if you like, but you don't have to. There's no audience participation and I'm probably not going to spit very much. So I have everything set up. Here's my little altar here. My picture usually lives um, in my front room on the top of the shelf. This is Laverne Baker. She was an R&B singer. She's remembered from the very early days of what became known as rock and roll, but actually her career began and ended with the blues. She was a great performer with amazing charisma and a great sense of humor. She was probably, we're not quite sure, born Dolores Laverne Baker in Chicago in 1929. She hinted in an interview that her father may have been a gangster. We don't, we're we not sure about that. But we do know that his sister, her father's sister, her auntie, is this woman on the left, Marilyn Johnson, who was a blues singer. And I don't know if you recognize this woman on the right. This is Memphis Minnie, a more famous blues singer, (laughs) who she was uh, distantly related to. If you read her, um, if you read things, sometimes they say she was her aunt, but she wasn't. Certainly both of these women were huge role models for Lavanne. She started singing Guess Where at church. And uh, at the age of 10, she won her first amateur club contest, Jitterbugging on stage with a friend and then they said, can you do anything else, and she went on to sing. Uh, And they gave her a job at the age of 10 at this club. Working on the weekends, she earned $5 a night. When the police came around, she would just hide. Um, She made her first recording for RCA Records at, she said, 12, 13, or 14. She couldn't quite remember. Um, Her first official billing, though, was at the Club de Lisa in Chicago. Here it is, they look like they're having fun. This is in 1942. Um, uh, Laverne's first, first official billing was in 1947, when she was 17. She was on the bill as Little Miss Sharecropper. Hideous name, There you can't really see because it's a tiny photo blown up really big. But she used to go on stage in pigtails and these tattered overalls and she was kind of copying another artist. Uh, being precocious, she got married at 18 to this uh, post office worker called Eugene Williams and got divorced two years later. Yes. <laughs> uh, by 1950, though, she was headlining at Chicago clubs, became a local star. She was billed as the Empress of the Blues, uh, which is what Bethy, Bessie Smith had been known as. And her aunt Merline was billed as the Queen of the Blues, so they would occasionally appear together. Uh, Laverne moved on to Detroit, where she started playing for racially mixed audiences. And she changed, thank goodness, she changed her stage name in 1952. To her manager, she said, I don't like this Little Miss sharecropper thing. I want to wear pretty gowns and stuff like that. Also in 1952, she had her first TV appearances and played at Alan Freed's first R&B contest. I'm going to show you um, Alan Freed. There you go, as you can see. He was a white radio DJ, and he, this is the man who invented the term rock and roll for what was essentially rhythm and blues. He championed the music and promoted it to white audiences. He gave it that new name, and suddenly it was in fashion. In 1953, Laverne moved to New York and signed to Atlantic Records. She was earning apparently $300 a week by this point. She she said she had a really great press man, so I don't know if we can believe how much she was earning every time it says in the press. To take it with a pinch of salt, I think. She went fairly soon. She went on tour in Europe, but she got a ma- call from her manager saying, "Come home, come home. You've got a hit record." And here it is, "Soul on Fire." Uh, you can, can if you get oh yes, you can read it because it says very large now. Baker Jamel. So she co- co-wrote her first hit. Uh, it's a beautiful song. You can listen to it. It's um, velvety and sensuous. It really s- uses her voice. And it was followed very quickly by a s- her next smash hit, Tweedly Dee, in 1954. <laughs> remember that name. Uh, Tweedley Dee, as you can imagine, was much tamer than uh, Soul on Fire. But it was suitable for the radio, and it became what was called the first major rock and roll hit. It also became one of her signature songs. Here you can see she's billed as Laverne Baker, the Tweedledee girl herself. What a name. Uh, and there followed a, a, a string of, of twee hits with innocuous lyrics. Basically, they were written to get teenagers to put money in jukeboxes. And they worked. Teenagers had money for the first time in the 50s. But Laverne was, was a sexy black woman wearing tight dresses with this suggestive stage presence. She used to actually get people very worked up. One time she was playing in Brooklyn and this fan came on stage screaming and bit into her hand. And she, Laverne carried on playing with this man like hanging by the teeth from her hand. I'm going to show you a little video, I hope it works, of her in 1957. So you can see what I'm talking about, that presence that she has. You can see that she's working with her body and her face.
0: We'll keep spinning those rock and roll hits like this one coming up right now. Laverne Baker with Love Me Right in the Morning.
2: I think when she was singing that song, Love Me Right in the Morning, she was thinking something else to those teenagers. Anyway, I don't know. Here, so here you can see I've put up the sheet music to that second hit, Tweedledee. And this is clearly not Laverne on the photo, <laughs> because this is the first baddie of the story. This is um, Georgia Gibbs, who very swiftly covered that record. Using exactly the same musicians and the exact same arrangement. Yes, the thing is, the white radio stations weren't playing Laverne's version. Um, Until recently, American R&B charts registered sales to black customers. They were originally called the race charts. And the pop charts registered sales to white customers. And Laverne's version didn't enter the pop charts for Airplay, but it did get to number 14 on the Jukebox charts, which I guess is like the SoundCloud charts. What would that be? iTunes charts? I don't know. And number 22 on, on record sales, huh? Okay. Um, Georgie Gibbs' version got to number 3 on the Jukebox, number 3 on record sales, and number 2 on Airplay and it stayed in the charts for 19 weeks. Laverne Baker estimated she lost $15,000 on that one record alone to Gibbs. Gibbs also, more fool her, covered the rather dull song Tra La La in 1956, which was stupid because it was the flip side to Jim Dandy, which became another of Laverne's signature tunes and got to number one on the R&B charts and number 17 on the pop charts, so ha. Anyway, still, so, um, Baker wrote to her congressman to protest and the l- law was eventually changed so that um, arrangement, you can't do the same arrangement anymore. You have to pay if you do. When she was boarding a plane to Australia in 1957, Laverne made Gibbs the beneficiary of her life insurance policy. If she died, she said, Gibbs would have no one left to copy. So, She was famous, though. Here she is being famous. She had, and famous and fabulous, yeah, she had a versatile voice, it was strong and sexy and she knew how to growl, but she and Atlantic Records both wanted to make a good living, so she, a lot of her hits were quite simple, especially to begin with, and didn't show off her ability. She did have about 30 of them, though, from 1955 to the early 60s. She was a star. She appeared in Alan Freed's incredibly bad film, Rock, 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 exclamation mark, Um, in 1956. I watched it so you don't have to. Don't. And in 1957, in Mr. Rock and Roll, which is what that clip was from, here's the film poster. You can see she's got fairly high billing in the poster. I don't know if anybody's seen um, uh, Hairspray. It's kind of based around these awful, awful films, but much better. She made TV appearances. She sang duets with Benny King before he was famous, Jimmy Ricks, Jackie Wilson, we'll come to him later. She made eight albums, which is a sign of how successful she was, because people, most singers weren't even making albums in those days. And those albums included um, gospel songs and Bessie Smith covers. They showed a really much more mature side to her, and of course, her love of blues, Here comes the cover. It's a little bit racy for 1958. Basically, she's wearing nothing at all apart from red lipstick. Um, She said, if we do this, this Bessie Smith album, I have to do it my way. And the sleeve notes say, The surprising thing is that she attacks some of these tunes as a young Bessie might with a strong beat and a feeling of great solidity in the melodic line, not an attempt to sound like Bessie, but because she feels the lyrics and the songs. Not only are Bessie's songs interpreted with freshness and originality, in devoting herself to this task, Laverne has done something completely new, different stylistically from her previous work. Now you can tell that these notes were written by the um, conductor because then it says, backing her is jazz with a jolt. Every instrument in fine form, every instrumentalist, an outstanding contemporary jazz artist. Most of her work, though, was live performance. She toured in package shows like this one that you can see the poster for. Oh, that's Clyde McFatter over there and I've forgotten who the other guy is. Oh, that's Sam Cooke up in the top left. I don't know who these other people are, I can't read the writing, it's too small. Uh, from 1957, as you can see, those shows were racially integrated. So she was singing duets with white men, which hadn't really been done on stage before. Um, in the South, though, the audiences were still segregated. There would be a rope down the middle of the auditorium with the white kids on one side and black kids on the other. Um, The black artists weren't allowed to buy food in the same places or use the same toilets or stay in the same hotels as the white artists. There were riots before the show in Montgomery, Alabama, and the whole thing was mentally and physically exhausting. I think she was on tour for 85 days in a row one time. We're coming to baddie number two. I'm not going to show him. (laughs) I'm showing you the fur coat that he bought her instead. In 1959, um, Laverne Baker married the comedian Melvin Slappy White, who started out as Dinah Washington's chauffeur. Can I give you all a piece of advice? Don't marry someone whose name is Slappy. (laughs) (laughs) You'd think it would be a clue, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? You're like, Slappy, I love you, let's get... No. Let me read you what it says here. It says, clad in mink coats, valued at a total of $15,000. Singers Dinah Washington and Laverne Baker teamed to belt out a tune in a Chicago bistro. Miss Washington's coat was Christmas present from Admirer. Miss, uh, Miss Baker's was a gift from comic Slappy White. So he gave her this mink coat, and she married him. The announcement said, the bride was attired in a tan tweed suit, Mink coat with matching hat. At least he got her a hat, right? Tan shoes and accessories. Um, yeah, it didn't last all that long. Second husband. there was a second husband after the divorce at age 20, right? Um, so... From the early 60s, Laverne aimed to play prestigious venues as an all-rounder, like Dinah Washington, who we just saw, or Sammy Davis Jr. And she did get solo shows in nightclubs from then, from 1961 on. She supported Louis Armstrong and had her own shows as well. She did a lot of ballads and torch songs, but it was hard for her to shake her old image. She, uh, she was great on stage. She copied a lot of the patter and jokes from Slappy. At least there was something that he left her. But from the mid-60s, her star was fading while Slappy's career peaked in a performance at the White House and Aretha Franklin became the star at Atlantic. Still, she played a lot for servicemen. She went to Vietnam during the war in 1970 uh, and went on an independent tour of army races. While she was there, she fell ill with pneumonia, but she went on touring, such a professional. She went on to Thailand and Hong Kong, where she was rushed to hospital, of course, on the closing night. Rumor has it that Slappy filed for divorce at that point. Way to hit a girl when she's down, huh? To slow down, Laverne moved to the Philippines, as you do. She started off paying shows at hotels and army bases, and then she became the entertainment manager at the Marine Staff NCO club in Subic Bay in the Philippines. I couldn't find a photo, but there's a U.S. Naval Station brochure that says, "This is a small club which really swings. It is located behind the station dispensary." I did find a photo of, I did find a lot of photos of Marines on leave in the Philippines. Here's my favorite one they're having fun another handout warns about venereal disease uh, in the town and says don't jeopardize your future liberty and the health of your shipmates by exhibiting too much zeal while on liberty yes beautiful everyone looks happy so you can imagine it's a a kind of a crazy place and uh, Laverne stayed there for over 20 years she was running this little club on the naval base. She sang every Friday and Saturday night. She sang all sorts of things. She was particularly fond of Neil Diamond, apparently. <laughs> she didn't sing the blues because she was playing with, um, she was singing with um, Filipino uh, musicians. And she said, you know, they just they just couldn't play the blues. They didn't have the notes. They couldn't, if they didn't have the notes, they couldn't play it. They'd know, they'd, you know. So, 20 years without blues, but she was proud to have carried on performing and not gone into some menial job. She learned the language in the Philippines Tagalog, she reared four dogs and four children, her own daughter, Anna White, born in 1978, I don't know who the father was, Um, an adopted daughter, and a boy and girl left with her by their father, who never came back for them. Now, uh, my dream, one day if I have time, to research it, is to write a TV series that will be like a combination between MASH and Glee set on this naval base with Laverne as the star. So you get a different fancy number every time. I have to change change some of the facts so that there can be blues in it, but hey. After 20 years, people were like, where is Laverne Baker, actually? And they tracked her down. And in 1988, she returned to the States for the first time to perform at the Madison Square Garden for Atlantic Records' 40th anniversary. Um, And then they invited her back to the U.S. to star in a musical review called Black and and Blue on Broadway in 1990. Here's the poster. It was set in uh, Paris between the wars. It was about black singers in Paris. She took over the role from Ruth Brown. And then she stayed in America playing in Hollywood and making a couple of recordings for soundtracks, um, one of those Madonna films, and the Shag, don't know if anyone remembers Shag. I do. Uh, she made another album. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1991, the second female solo artist ever after Aretha Franklin. Slappy sent a telegram, she didn't respond. I wouldn't either. In 1992 she went to the UK where I am from, so that's exciting for me. Uh, There's an article in the Independent newspaper where Martin Kellner describes her as a small bespectacled lady in a funny floppy hat fumbling in her handbag for her pills. But should doubts remain as to Laverne's rock and roll credentials, they are dispelled by the gig. In Barney Hoskins' book, From a Whisper to a Scream, Laverne Baker is bracketed with Etta James, Bessie Smith, and others as an earth mama whose business is tearing up clubs or churches. The good news is Laverne tore with a passion at Club 051 and didn't finish tearing until 2.40 in the morning. She was living in New York City on 10th Avenue. She was really into TV, her cat, and kickboxing movies. In 1994, she uh, lost both legs to diabetes, carried on performing in a wheelchair. This is uh, at the Porretta Sol Festival in Italy in 1995. I feel good, she said. The only thing now is that I've got to find a man that's short. And <laughs> I say, I have to quit drinking to that. Mm. Mm. The LA Times wrote that she had reclaimed her old role as grand interpreter of good times and wicked love. Laverne Baker died in 1997 of cardiovascular disease. She was 67. There was a memorial service all sorts of R&B greats. They tracked down her daughter and flew her in. She was buried initially in an unmarked plot, but a fundraiser organized a headstone later. And apparently, that that memorial service, there were a lot of jokes told that were actually not suitable for a place of worship. She had a bawdy sense of humor, and, and to remember her, I'm going to suggest you all go home later and look up the song Think Twice, Version X. Does anybody know that? OK, you're in for a surprise. Think Twice, Version X. It's a duet with Jackie Wilson from 1965. You should because even by blues standards, it is one of the rudest songs on ever recorded. It's a really disgraceful song. I love it very much. But to finish off, I'm going to show you Laverne in 1988 doing one of my favourites, which is which is a song written for her by uh, Liber and Stoller. It's Pretend Gospel. Um, saved. And I'm going to give Laverne the last word on uh, how to grow old ungracefully. Thank you. And now for those who used to smoke and do all those things, this is for you, darling. I used to smoke. I used to
1: drink. I used to smoke, drink. Is rock and roll hall of famer laverne baker with saved a song that was later covered by elvis presley brenda lee and the band probably a few more as well um just throw yourself into a youtube vortex k-hole and you'll find all of the different covers thank you katie for that fabulous talk
0: yeah so smoke and drink and dance the hoochie coochie wait the hoochie coo smoke and drink and dance the hoochie coo that's it yeah Laverne Baker did all those things and more in style, um, so we also have video, uh, YouTube yourself out as uh, Florian says, but we're going to pull some clips and audio for you, um, Laverne singing this song and others including the very naughty Think Twice version X, and that'll be on our website for you so you can see her in motion, and Katie's also put together a playlist, Laverne Baker, Dead Lady Deluxe, over on Spotify. And uh, that link will be in our social media and also at deadladyshow.com slash podcast.
1: Oh, I can't wait to click shuffle play on that one.
0: And we also have a Patreon.
1: We do. And we'd like to say thank you to some of our wonderful Patreon supporters who are helping us bring the world transcripts of the Dead Lady Show podcast. And you too can help us over at patreon.com slash deadladyshowpodcast. podcast. Um, I'd like to shout out a few of our Patreon supporters here. Warm hugs to George and Tani Plattis, who have a fun history podcast of their own called The Dirty Bits, which focuses on, you can guess it, The Dirty Bits. And I'd also like to send very fond squeezes to Steve Mormon. Thanks so much to all of you.
0: And we have some live shows coming up.
1: Yes, we do. Our next live show here in Berlin is on September 24th at Akut, as usual. There's also one coming up in... October in New York October 2nd Uh, it's going to be a very spooky spooky edition I know it's with Halloween coming up and it's at KGB bars red room so if you're in the neighborhood stop by
0: red room red room
1: (laughs) It's, it's, it's already spooky um it will also have to keep you posted on a newest cousin which is a belgian dead lady show which starting later this year um so check our website or social media at dead lady show for more details as that story develops
0: indeed and we hope to see you at some or all of them i mean just you know all the time zones all the countries at once or at least you know here on the podcast Little Lily Swing by Tritachion is our delightful theme song, and you can find it on SoundCloud, which also hosts all episodes of the Dead Lady Show podcast. The Dead Lady Show was founded by Florian Dowsens and Katie Derbyshire. The podcast is created, produced, and edited by me. Thanks to Florian and to Katie and to all of you out there, Alia, for joining us. I'm Susan Stone
1: support for this episode of the Dead Lady Show podcast comes from the Berliner Sanat
2: doop, 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 that's the end